So prophesy over somebody next to you and say, you're a winner. Look at somebody else and say, you're a winner. Look at one more person and say, you about to win. Now just look to heaven and say, because of you, God, I'm a winner. First Samuel chapter 17. Verses 1 through 50. There were more people who wooed First Samuel than those who wooed 50 verses. Y'all mean we're gonna be here for that long? <laughs> Let me just say this. I I I just I feel like I need we've got a lot of work to do today. But I feel like I need to say this, and maybe it's just for, for, the, for the critics in the house. When I stand up before you, I'm not trying to figure out a way to occupy 40 minutes. I'm not in my office all week long praying about a message saying, okay, God, I, I got to occupy 40 minutes. I, I'm not standing up before you trying to come up with some catchy phrase or some jargon or some colloquialism just to be able to stand up here for 40 minutes. I, I, I'm not standing up here for 40 minutes trying to tell you a story either because I know that my stories will not help you when you're in the valley of life. It's God's word that's the change agent. Are you with me? Last week, I just want you to stay on your feet for another minute. I know some of y'all are like, oh, Lord, have mercy, man. That, whew, my gout's acting up. <laughs> just stay with me for a minute. Just stay with me. Uh, last week, we revisited our theme for Epicenter Church for 2020, build. Somebody say, I am a builder. Look at somebody else and say, you're a builder. Get your bracelet. I am a builder. Make sure you get your bracelet on the way out. And we, we, we looked at this topic, build, and we had this message about the heart of a servant through David, the king. And the message was, was titled, There's Another Move. There's a, Another Move. Uh, my brother Mike, who's watching today from, from my brother in Christ, who's watching today from the beach this week, God had another move in his life and it, and it opened up some doors that he's been praying about. There's another move. Today, I, I, I want to pick up where we left off last week. Is that all right? And I want to continue to talk about the servant's heart of, of David, but I want to talk about how God blessed his heart. While at the same time, I want you to see the breakthrough that God has for you. So let me just just read a few verses I'm not gonna read all 50 I'm just gonna read just a few just to establish some context and direction so here we go can we read a few verses praise the Lord I'm gonna read it to the five that are excited about it <laughs> it says this in verse 1 now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokot in Judah they pitched camp at Ephesus and you got to say this word ever so slowly and carefully Damon. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Between Soka and Azekah, Saul and the Israelites. Hold on a second. Let me, let me go back. I cannot miss this one word. It's the word now. Everybody say now. 
now now is telling us that something is happening now the now that is happening Richie in David's life in this moment there is a shift he's already been anointed to be the future king and now there is a now experience in his life that is gonna take place in the valley if you will it's a now that's gonna shift and walk him into his destiny what I need is somebody to hear this right now now in the now in this moment you're going through a situation in the now that is not comfortable but the now that you're going through right now is only gonna open up what is new what God is about to do next you're about to move from now into something new somebody say amen, amen. verses 2 and following I could preach right there Saul and the Israelites assembled and they camped in the valley of Elah and they drew up the battle line to meet the Philistines the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites on another with the valley between them. a champion named Goliath who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp his height was six cubits and a span some say that that is nine feet and some change he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and it was its iron point weighed 600 shekels his shield bearer went ahead of him Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and to kill me, we will become your servants. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel give me a man and let us fight each other on hearing the Philistines words Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified hold on a second Samuel is painting the picture for us we see the situation or really we see the problem the problem is Goliath the situation is no one can defeat Goliath and the result is everyone is terrified but it's verse 3 that will become our major talking point today it's verse 3 I'm gonna just be completely transparent with you anytime I've ever been in this passage I've always kind of overlooked verse 3 I just read verse 3 as additional information to the scene to the plot but this week God dropped something in my spirit this this verse is not information this verse is revelation let me show you something in verse 3 it says this it says the Philistines occupied one hill and, and, and the Israelites occupied another with the valley between them hold on a second with the valley between them Samuel is painting the picture here we have the Israelites on one side the Philistines on the other and then there is this valley what I think Samuel is wanting us to know is not only is the battle taking place in the valley, but we're all going to experience the valley. And in the valley, you can navigate through the valley in your life, either using the anointing that God places upon you like David, or you can try to navigate the valley the way Saul did, using your own ideas, your own ability. You can either camp out in the valley, 
for a short period of time or you can take up residence in the valley. You can take up residence in the valley or you can grab hold of God's rest in the valley. Which is it going to be? Are you ready for the title? Somebody say, I'm ready. The victory is in the valley. I need you to grab that because somebody needs to hear it. The victory is in the valley. High five your neighbor and say, the victory is in the valley. And then you can be seated with the rest of the people. The victory is in the valley. Let me paint this image out for you. Thank you, Colin. Today is Colin's last day with us, by the way. Colin is, Colin is going abroad to study. Colin, we thank you for... Don't step off there. Now that we got that emotional tearjerker out of the way, let me, let me just, I'm not going to read all 50 verses. Some of y'all are like, whoo, praise the Lord. So let me paraphrase. So Goliath comes out every single day, twice a day for 40 days, and he begins to antagonize the Israelites. For 40 days, he comes out in that voice that only Goliath could have. Send me someone. Sounds like Optimus Prime, doesn't it? Send me anyone. You're all a bunch of wimps. Your God is not the real God. Every day, he comes out twice a day for 40 days. Send me someone. Ready to fight every day. Reminding the people of Israel what they cannot defeat. Every single day he walks into the valley. He looks at the nation of Israel and he says, send me someone. Some of you, every day, your situation, your Goliath reminds you what you can't get out of, what you can't get through, what you can't overcome. Every day you're standing in the valley, and your valley may not be a person. It may be a place. It may be your job. Your Goliath may be your job, and that Goliath may be just robbing you of energy and confidence. And Every day it may be a financial Goliath. It, it may be a relational Goliath, but every day it stands before you and reminds you of what you cannot do. So one day... Jesse, David's father, calls Jesse in from tending the sheep. He said, come here, boy, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take these sandwiches. I want you to take this turkey sandwich here. I want you to take, I want you to take this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I want you to take this cheese sandwich. Today, your brothers, they're out on the front line. I want you to, today, your Uber Eats. You hear me? I want you to take this food to them. They need some protein because they're out there fighting battles while you're back here tending sheep. I need you to do this for me, David. So I want you to grab up all these sandwiches, take it to them so that they can have the strength that they need to fight the battle that they're in. I need you to go right now, right now. What we know from that experience is that Jesse has not yet bought into the fact, to the truth, that David has been anointed to be the future king. He hasn't bought into David's abilities yet. He's telling David, come on and let go of those few sheep that you're tending and take these sandwiches, this protein, over to your brother's. Take the Jimmy Johns over to him right now. Get it there fast. David could have said, nope, I ain't doing it. 
king here. <laughs> Do you forget I'm the king? I got a title. I've already been anointed. I'm a card-carrying king. You know what I'm saying? That's what my title says. It says king. You see that daddy right there? It says king. King. Not going to do it. So I, I'm, I'm not doing it because, man, the title means so much more to me. I got a title now, so I'm not going to serve that way. You can just get somebody else. You can do it yourself. But David didn't say that. The Bible says David did it. Why? Because David was not enamored by the title. <laughs> David was just obedient to God's call to serve. Mm. David wasn't holding on to a title that somebody else had placed upon him, even if that somebody else is God, because he realizes with the title comes responsibility. Whoo! Hold on a second. You see, in our culture today, we all want the finished product of the title without the responsibility of servanthood. I need some help up in here today. I'm just saying. In our culture today, we all want the finished product of the title without the interim or instruction period that precedes it. For David, it was not the title. It was his heart that was called to serve. You remember God said that he was looking for someone who had a different heart, and the different heart was that of a servant. Even Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer up my life as a ransom for many. I don't know who this is for, but you, you need to hear this because there may be some people who only see you worthy of carrying sandwiches. But just because there are people who only see you worthy of carrying sandwiches does not mean that God does not see you as a king. And so David went. And when David gets there, David sees the situation. <laughs> Here's what's so cool to me. It's that Jesse sent David to carry sandwiches. And he thought that the purpose was to carry the sandwich to the front lines. But what God was doing was carrying David to the situation. Whoo, Lord have mercy. So when David gets there, he sees the situation. He goes up to Saul and he tells Saul, hey, I can fight. I can fight Goliath. David's a young teenage boy. His voice is crackling. Hey, hey, I can fight. I can, <clears throat> I can fight Goliath. <laughs> Saul's like, uh, okay. You think you can fight him? Saul said a few things to him first, but then Saul's like, all right, let me, okay, if you think you can fight him, let me show you something. Verses 38 and 39, put it up for me. So then it says, then Saul dressed David. In his own tunic. Here is the old king putting on to the new king that will succeed him the kingly outfit. Oh, it had to be a sight to see. It had to be a sight to see people gathered around watching this because some people know at this point in time that David's the future king. Then Saul dressed him in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around in it. Notice it says he tried because he was not used to them. He said, I, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. 
Hold on a second. I, I need you to grab this. Here's Saul thinking, let me, let me put this, this on you so, so, so that you can have what it is that I think you need to have in order to, to win this battle. You, you can imagine all of the people watching David trying to walk around. And he's trying to walk around trying to be kingly, but he, he can't be kingly because he's, you know, he's Like, whoo, look at this sword. You know David, like the teenager. Now, let's just be honest. We read this story in retrospect. But you know he pulled out that sword and he's like, <laughs> You know, he was like taking out his phone, like selfie. Woo, look at the sword right here. <laughs> Some of y'all need to lighten up. Yeah, I know they didn't have phones. I know they didn't have phones. Come on, I'm paraphrasing here. Come on, good Lord, have mercy. All the real biblical people are like, mm-hmm, he have no phones. He's a heretic. I'll tell you right now, I told y'all about this church. So here he is. He's like, he's trying to. It says that he tried. He said he tried. You know that in the flesh he wanted it to work. Why? Because this is whom he's supposed to become. Saul's putting his armor on him. He's trying to, but, but, but he can't. But then you have to read into it. I cannot go in these. Some translations say because they did not fit. Hold on a second. They did not fit. And as a result, he tried, but he became frustrated trying to wear someone else's armor. I need you to understand something. When you try to use something for a purpose in which it was not created for, you will be frustrated. If I try to use this microphone as my telephone, I'm going to be frustrated. Hello. If I try to use this microphone, let me just illustrate even further. If I, if I try to use this microphone as my smartphone in order to access, uh, you know, social media. I'm going to be a little angry. If I try to use this microphone for any other purpose than the purpose that it was created for, I'm going to be frustrated. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you are trying to use things in your life for a purpose in which they were not created for, and you wonder why you're frustrated. You're using your job. You think your job is going to bring to you confidence, but your job is not bringing you you confidence. Do you, do you know why? Because it's not your job that brings you confidence. It's God who gave you the job who brings you confidence in the job. Some of you guys have placed so much stress and pressure on, on a relationship that the relationship is not bringing you the fulfillment that you thought the relationship would bring you. But can I tell you something? The relationship is not supposed to bring you fulfillment. Only God can bring you fulfillment. Stop looking to something to do something that it cannot do because it was not created to do it. And here he is putting this armor on him and Saul's thinking that this is, I mean, it's gotta, gotta, gotta work, you know, but Saul's armor was not what David needed. Saul's armor would not bring David the confidence that David needed. David understood that he didn't need the, this armor on the outside to bring him confidence because David's confidence didn't come from what was on the outside. David's confidence came from what God placed on the inside. Don't you remember? That's why God said, I'm looking for somebody whose heart's a little different. I need you to understand something. Confidence does not come from your ability. Confidence does not come from what it is that you have. Confidence comes from knowing that 
that God has you. Why? Because the Bible says being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So David, David's like, mm, the frustration of trying to put on somebody else's armor. But just as frustrating as that can be, it's as equally frustrating when you try to use something for a purpose, not only in, for a purpose that it was not created to do, but when you try to put on someone else's stuff in hopes that it does for you what it did for them. When you try to put on somebody else's talents, you try to put on somebody else's abilities, you try to put on somebody else's blessings, and then you wonder why you're frustrated. Let me stay here for a minute because I think we need to think about Saul's thinking because Saul, remember, he's the king. Saul has always done it his way. And this moment, he's placing this armor on David because in his mind, he's thinking this is what he needs in order to defeat Goliath. He's thinking that if he'll wear this armor, he'll, he'll, he'll be able to defeat Goliath. What he didn't know is that God had a plan. And the plan did not include the armor. The Bible says that the armor did not fit. Why? Because Saul was so much taller than David. The Bible tells us that he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He was just a tall dude, so it didn't fit David. That was one of the reasons why David couldn't wear it. But the second reason why David couldn't wear it is not only did it not fit him physically, but it did not fit him spiritually. Because God was doing a different work in David. God, Listen, the battle would not be won as a result of the armor. The battle would be won as a result of David being true to God and God, him being obedient to what God called him to do. God didn't need Saul's armor. I need you to hear this. God did not need Saul's armor in order for David to defeat Goliath. Why? Because God had been preparing David for a long time. Whew, this is where it gets good. He had been preparing David for a long, long time. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 says, but David said to Saul, this is when David first comes up on the situation and he tells Saul, I can go fight Goliath. And so here's what Saul says. Saul basically says, man, you can't do that. You're just a teenager. So David says, well, while I've been tending my father's sheep, can I just show you what God's been doing in me? He said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. What? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Are you grabbing this? In other words, while th there was a waiting period in David's life, he's letting you know that in these few verses. God had anointed him to be king. He's waiting. While he's waiting, there is this waiting period before that word comes to fruition while he is waiting what is he doing 
The Bible says he's serving. The Bible says while he's waiting on God to bring about the word that he promised over his life, he is serving. He's tending sheep. And while he's tending sheep, he's honing his skills. He would not have had time to do what he was doing had there not been a wait period. While he was waiting, God was using the platform of servanthood to prepare him for what he had for him. Mm. I, I need you to grab this. Your season of waiting, we do not like waits. None of us like waits. That's why there's fast food restaurants. That's why there's microwaves. That's why there's Uber Eats. So you, it's all of that. We don't like it. But your waiting period always has something in it that is preparing you for, for the next thing in your life. But I need you to understand something. Your waiting period will always be connected to a season of serving. David's was connected to a season of serving. I need you to understand something. We don't like the wait because we feel like this is just a waste of time. But can I tell you something? It's just like a diamond. A diamond starts out, it's pretty rough. It's, it's just in the form of a carbon rock. None of you would even stop to pick up the carbon rock if it looked the way it looked. You will stop and pick up a diamond. But you know what that process had to be for that diamond to become a diamond? It had to go through all of the metamorphosis of time, of pressure, of heat. While you are waiting, God is doing something. And you don't like the wait. You don't like the wait because you feel like the wait is, is God missing out on what he could be doing. But can I tell you something? God doesn't operate according to your schedule. But while you are waiting, he wants you to be serving because it's in the serving that he's doing what he can do in order to prepare you for what he has for you. It's in the wait. Can I tell you something? He is not wasting your time. He is training you. He is training you. Oh, hold on a second. You need to hear this. You're in training for reigning. David was in training for reigning. Had it not been for the lions, the bears, had he not been out there, he would have never had gotten his craft down to where he could hit a, a gnat on a mule's butt. And again, some of y'all are like, oh, okay, here he goes again. It's where he, he trained. It's where he began to be prepared. It's where he began to learn how when he was serving. God knew how many lions and tigers and bears. Oh, no. God knew what he needed. But Saul's trying to circumvent that, use my armor. So in verse 39, at the very end of that verse, David does something that is so mature for his age because this, I just feel like this would have been so difficult for David to do as a teenage boy. But he looks at the king and it says that he took off his armor. So he took them off can you imagine can you imagine the pressure that that must have been for David as a teenage boy to say your stuff won't work for me can you imagine that so he took them off I, I, I need somebody to hear this the spiritual lesson is some of y'all need to stop wearing others clothes 
you need to stop wearing others' clothes. I don't mean, ladies, the clothes that you're borrowing from your friends so that your wardrobe looks a whole lot bigger. I'm not talking about that. I know how y'all ladies are. I'm, I'm just talking about you got to stop trying to operate in a way that God did not equip you to operate. You got to stop trying to live somebody else's talent. You, it's just like in, in ministry. We, we pastors, you know, we pastors around this country tend to do something. We tend to try to emulate a ministry that is successful rather than emulating the ministry that God wants us to have. Sometimes, you, you know, that's the clothes that we put on. We, don't, we need to stop wearing other people's clothes. And then sometimes we'll put on the clothes in church of judgment. We think that just because it's a church, that just gives us the liberty to judge. No, it doesn't. Nobody in this place has the ability to judge. And then you, you hear people all the time, well, no, 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 I don't have the ability to judge, but according to Scripture, I have the ability to be a fruit inspector. No, you do not. No, you do not. And you don't want nobody up in your fruit. There have been times where people who have attended this church over the years have, like, you know, wanted to, oh, be holier than thou and start throwing out Scripture verses. So I'll bring them into the office and I'll start throwing out some Scripture verses. <laughs> you start getting up in their fruit, they get out of here. You know what I'm saying? People say, well, I just don't, I mean, you know, that pastor wearing them all shredded up jeans and all that lights and stuff, I don't even like that. And there's sinners up in the house. Well, is this not where sinners were? Is this not where we're supposed to be? Is this not where God gives us a word that brings change in our lives so that we're not the same after we leave his presence? Is this not where God has called us to reside so that we can feel what it is that God wants to place within our hearts? Is this not the home of forgiveness? Is this not the home of second chances? Good God Almighty. Y'all don't need me to start all up in this place today. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. What did David use? David didn't use the armor of Saul. That was Saul's. Not Saul's stuff. Listen, I kind of changed around again, so you just, you just hang with me. I told you, man. I just told you. But you can play. Thanks, Colin. It's your last day. You can play. <laughs> he didn't use Saul's stuff. No, because God had a plan. Had he not perfected the sling, he would not have been able to wear the crown. Had he not been willing to serve, he would have never learned how to sling. Had he not been willing to practice, he would have never experienced the palace. So David took it all. Why? Because his trust could not be 
And what Saul said to him, his trust could not be in Saul's armor. His trust could not be in, in, in the title that God had given him as king. His trust could not be in all the things that Saul had accomplished and all the things now that Saul is saying, here's what you need to do. His trust could not be in any of those things as flashy, as good, as great, as, as big as they were. His trust could not be in the thought that he was the future king. His trust could not be in the thought how good he was with the sling. His trust could not be in the thought of how he defeated the lion and the bear. His trust had to be in the thought that God was with him. Amen. It was not Saul's armor. God didn't need Saul's armor. God wasn't up there saying, okay, Saul, I, I got to have your armor. No. He didn't need Saul's armor. He needed God's power. There are times, listen, there are times over the years that Sometimes as I'm pre preparing a message, I'm like, God, I can't. I just can't. And it's in those moments that God says, well, good. Finally, you've admitted it. You, 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 you've, you've, you've dropped your pride. You're, you can overcome your insecurity. Pick up the pen and I'll show you. Our trust has to be in God, you see, Saul's armor had a statement. I need you to grab this. Saul's armor came with a statement. Everybody knew Saul's armor. Everybody had seen Saul's armor. Everybody knew how bad that armor was. It was the king's armor. Had David won or wore Saul's armor and David had won, guess who would have gotten credit for the victory? Saul. They would have said he's wearing Saul's armor. But David didn't do it. Saul's way. David did it God's way. I need somebody to hear this now because some of you are stuck in the valley. You're stuck in the valley, but the reason why you're stuck in the valley is because rather than navigating the valley God's way, seeking God's way, you're navigating the valley your way. So Saul tried to put it on me. He took it off. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need your arm. I don't need your arm. It, it, it's David wanted to do it God's way. Because remember now, Saul did it his way, and that's the whole reason why God removed himself from Saul, because Saul would only do it his way. So David's like, I, I don't want to do it your way. And Saul was probably, there was probably this private conversation like, man, you're you going to die. <laughs> Just telling you, you're going to die. Saul was probably saying, man, what you're doing, David, doesn't make sense, man. The odds are already stacked against you. You're just a little boy. Look how big he is. It's not going to work. It doesn't make sense. Can I tell you something? There will be things and times in your faith that your faith journey will not make sense. It made a lot more sense for him to at least use the sword. Like Zorro. It made a lot more sense, but to him it... He was like, uh-uh, that's not what God's called me to do. Can I tell you something? There will be people in your journey, in your walk, who will try to, try, to, try to tell you that what you're doing does not make sense. But I need you to hear something. You cannot call Jesus Lord, but make logic your decision maker. I know it's a catchy phrase. But it's the only way that I can connect you to it. It has to be Lord over logic. That's why Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your logic. 
but acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight. Pick it up in verse 41, 41. I know I'm jumping around, 41, 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine and with his shield bear in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Goliath didn't like him, one, because Goliath was, you know, like, why are y'all sending this little boy out here to do a man's job? Goliath had one eyeball here and another one over here because he'd been in battle so much. I'm just making that up, y'all. <laughs> Goliath was evidently ugly. That's why he didn't like David, you know what I'm saying? So he despised him. And so he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? You know, David's probably sitting there holding his staff, you know, got his sling over here. It's just hilarious to me, man. Sometimes I just think God's word is just, it's entertaining. Some people get mad because I say that. God's word's not entertaining. It's inspirational. No, 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 no. It's, it's more than inspiration. You need to understand something. The definition of entertainment is to hold someone's attention for an indefinite period of time. God's word has held our attention for thousands of attention for thousands of years you know what I'm saying and so he, and so here, here here he says you come at me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods next next verse come here he said and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals verse 45 keep going Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me. Hold on before I read that. Here is Goliath coming out, Todd, and shouting at David. Is this all you have? Probably looks up at Saul as he's sitting under his tent. Is this all you can send to fight me? David's over there, his voice crackling. Yeah, it's me. The point that I'm trying to make is there will be people who will shout at you when you begin to do what God's called you to do. They'll shout you down. Sometimes those people will be your family. Sometimes those people will be your friends. They'll begin to shout at you, tell you, you can't do this. So David said, you, you come against me with the sword and the spear. Evelyn. You'll remember this. <laughs> but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David is giving him credit for everything he brought to the battlefield, all of this incredible armor. He's like, whoo, shoot, that's something else, man. I ain't kidding. He had to spit on the stone to shine it some, you know. Just He's giving him some credit here. Then he goes on to say, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. 
remember, he's just a teenage boy. That's all he is. He's standing before a giant. He's never been in battle. He's, 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 he's honed his skills against lions and bears. Goliath is shouting at him, and then all of a sudden he says this in verse 48. Put 48 up for me. As the Philistine moved closer to, to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Are you visualizing it? Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. I couldn't go over this with the first service, so you're getting something free here. Reaching into his bag and taking out his stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Hold on a second. Goliath's over there going, is this all you can bring? Listen, I, I don't want you to ever think that, that David didn't have fear here because I believe there was fear. Some of you are like, well, how do you know? Well, well, you have to understand David is still human. There would have to be fear here. And the reason why I don't want you to think, Daniel, there was not any fear here is because the next time you're facing a Goliath, if you're afraid, you'll just give in because you'll think, well, then it can't be God if, if I've got all this fear. No, 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 no. The, the fear is not really, I mean, fear can be bad, but what makes fear really bad is when fear is greater than your faith. It's not that David didn't have fear. It's just that David knew that he had God. Listen, I, I, I need you to see this. David didn't drop to his knees before he let that stone fly. He didn't drop to his knees and start praying. He didn't run off and panic. He didn't do any of those things. Like, God, are you going to do this? Are you going to take care of this? Listen, the answer is God will, but God uses you to do it. The battle here, what you need to understand is the battle that David won against Goliath for the nation of Israel was not necessarily won in that moment. That battle was won when David was lonely and he was serving and he was keeping and tending sheep and he was crafting his skill and he was practicing and he was praising God. Even though he was waiting, he continued to serve. The battle was won when he was back there. The battle, the reason why he could win in the valley is because he won while he was serving. The reason why he could win in the valley is because God was preparing him for what he had for him when he got to the valley. But here's where it gets good. This is where it gets really good. This is the part that I said I, I overlook all the time. Go back to verse 3. It says this. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. It still hadn't jumped out at you. You're still not grabbing it. So many times, neither did I. But then I remembered when David got older, David wrote something. He wrote the 23rd Psalm. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside of quiet waters. He restores my soul. And then there's a verse 4. The verse 4 tells us something about David. It says, what does it say? The verse 4 says what? 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for his rod and his staff, they comfort me. David knew when he was walking into the valley that God was with him and that that was not his final destination. That was the place that God was taking him now in order to open up what was next. Good God Almighty, somebody get up on your feet and say the victory is in the valley. The victory is in the valley. The victory is in the valley. He's writing Psalms 23 as the truth to what happened in his life as a teenage boy when he walked into a valley that no one else could overcome. He knew that God was with him because that was not the final destination in his life. It was just a place that victory would happen to set up his destiny. The victory is in the valley. 